Craft Beer Radio episode 120, recorded on Wednesday, July 16th, 2008. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. This is the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Jeff Bear. I'm Greg Weiss. And this week we're going to be doing uh, fruited beers. Fru- that's a good way to put it. Fruited beers, yes. Fruity beers? Fruity. It's a fruity show. <laughs> I uh, think we'll keep calling them fruiteds. Fruited show. Beers that incorporate fruit. Yes. So where shall we begin? Let's start with this one. Okay, so we're going to begin with the Celis Raspberry. Now this is, uh, well, they classify as a fruit vegetable beer. That doesn't really say much, does it? Is it a wheat? I believe so. On the label, it says malt beverage with raspberry concentrate added. Or raspberry juice. An authentic Belgian-style fruit beer. This is brewed and bottled by Michigan Brewing Company in Weberville, Michigan. Uh, They bought the uh, label named Cellus off um, of Miller. Yeah, Miller bought it off of Cellus Brewing. Didn't do much with it. And Michigan Brewing Company brought the label, and they've been making Cellus White, Cellus Grand Cru, Cellus Raspberry. And uh, the first two, the Cellus White and Cellus Grand Cru, are really good. I enjoy them a bunch. We'll have to see about this third one. Okay, they say it's a traditional Belgian-style fruit beer, brewed with pale malts from Great Plains, and a hard winter wheat from the Midwest. So wheat is, is incorporated. And imported Belgian raspberry juice is added during the second fermentation. And that's all they have there that's not marketing speak. So, there you go. The aroma, I'm getting raspberry, raspberry juice type aroma, and uh, a bit of wheat. There's kind of a whiff of some, I guess the the malt is kind of confusing me, making me think that there's sort of a raspberry chocolate type thing in there. But I also smell dustiness. Yeah. Yeah, it tastes, smells dusty. Sort of, um, yeah, sort of like an attic. Attic that somebody poured some raspberry juice in. Flavor has a lot of raspberry juice in it. A lot of raspberry flavoring. But it's... I enjoyed the first sip. I didn't think it was overpowering. We'll have to see if it lasts the whole glass. I think it is a little cold, and that's kind of forcing down the taste of the raspberry a bit. There is that muffy, that attic smell comes through in the flavor. There's a... It's not quite chocolate. It's kind of like, okay, if you take the sweet part and the bitter part of chocolate away. What are you left with? You're left with kind of a mixture of cardboard and cinnamon without a little bit of the, of the tangy spice of cinnamon. Yeah, maybe. There's definitely a cocoa flavor to this, which this beer is not porter color or anything like that. It's a, it's a golden orange ale. But yeah, it has a significant cocoa chocolate flavor to it. And it complements the raspberries rather well because everyone knows chocolates and raspberries mm-hmm. go together. It's interesting. I wouldn't say that it's... I mean, it's not nearly as good as the... Uh, what was that dessert beer we had? The raspberry chocolate. The Kunin raspberry yeah. ice block. Woohoo! Uh, this is, it, it, the flavor is not nearly that good. But it has some interesting components to it. But I'm not sure if I'm totally digging that chocolate without the chocolate flavor. It hasn't hit me in the right way yet. It kind of tastes like... 
like I said, sort of chocolate smeared on cardboard with, with all too the much, sugar taken out of it. I'm not finding too much of a cardboard-type flavor in this beer. And... Maybe, mm, like, really old chocolate. I'm tasting, like, chocolate-covered raspberries, you know, and the raspberries have some of that raspberry sauce in there with the chocolate, right? I mean, I'm getting this really juicy, luscious flavor. But you know what's there also is there's a bit of hoppiness there. There's a bit of a of a burst at the end of this kind of little citrusy, a little bit alpha acidish sort of twang to it near the end. I'm not getting anything too noticeable. It seems like a good complement to the beer, good balance. Any bitterness that's in here. Wow, I I'm enjoying this a lot. Really. Yeah, Jeff's t- Jeff is doubting this fast. I'm trying to contemplate it because to me it's it tastes kind of stale to me. I think is the best way I can put it. It, it is not the freshest beer I have. It's 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 a, probably it's a year old or so. But I'm not tasting any you know defects on age. But if you're tasting it, then it may well be particularly there. in the front of my tongue. It's all, it, it, it's it's kind of like a lingering bitterness, but it's not. Bitter so much as it is. Look at that. You can't use this bottle for homebrew. On the bottom, it just has no refill. Oh, I see. It's not so much bitter on the front of my tongue as it is kind of dirty. Hmm. Well, there's that dusty flavor, right? But the rest of it, that, that chocolate raspberry, I think, is very good. I have no information on alcohol on this one. There is, well, first I want to finish this, and then I want to get into some interesting news. Oh, which so. everyone knows about. But it's still interesting news. But let me just finish this beer. We'll get into our next one first. So did the uh, beer get better or worse for you? Anything as you were finishing it up? Uh, the stale kind of flavor kind of went a little bit away. Raspberry did not intensify, so that's a good, a good thing. Uh, I wonder if the oldness of the beer helped that in the sense that some of the raspberry <laughs> kind of didn't didn't go crazy. I mean, some of the reviews I'm looking at right now on... Beer Advocate. I don't look at reviews until after I've done some tasting and reading, or tasting and uh, on myself, but then I start looking at the reviews and mm-hmm. stuff, because I have it right in front of me. Lots of them are saying that it tastes directly like a raspberry syrup, and I don't see that as the case at all. So, Right. Maybe the time did help it. Maybe. Okay, so I think this is probably going to be one of the least lesser fruity beers here, so let's give this one a try. Alright, this is Southern Tears uh, Imperial Cherry Saison. Uh... Now, you say it's going to be a lesser beer, it's an imperial cherry saison aged in oak. So, that's not the first time I've had it. Mm. So, that's where I get my okay. knowledge from. This is, let me make sure I have the information up in front of me 8% alcohol by volume. They consider it a saison, just a regular farmhouse saison, but of course, an imperial version of that. Southern Tier also is releasing their creme brulee. Stout, vanilla <laughs> stout soon, so that should be good. That should be uh, interesting. 1940-style uh, pickup truck with a huge cherry in the back popping a wheelie. This was aged with French oak staves. Uh, kettle hops are magnum, aroma hops are sterling. Belgian candy sugars used. Malted white wheat, two-row, pale malt. I don't see this listed on their site for some reason. It's a, probably a one-time release. 
You know what this smells like? <laughs> wow. What's that? You know the smell after you've eaten asparagus and you've urinated? <laughs> oh, that's lovely. I'm not getting any asparagus pee, that's for sure. Hmm. I'm getting the French oak. You know, not whiny, not not bourbony or anything, but you're getting a bit of oak in the aroma. Uh, yeah, there's some woodiness there, too. Some cherry. I'm not noticing much cherry. Mostly, mostly wheat, though. But kind of that sharp, organic aroma that... The last thing I, I can remember associating it with is eating asparagus. The aftermath of eating asparagus. That oak really does come through pretty strong, doesn't it? It plays strangely with the beer because with the candy sugar, it's tasting triple. And then it gets dragged back through the you know the wood shop. And it kind of it leaves sort of a bitter, woody flavor on the mouth that is not the most pleasant. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like Sandpaper. Yeah, it's a, it's grainy. Hmm. So the big news. There's this company that we've all talked about and we know about called InBev. They've bought this company that we've all talked about and know about called Anheuser-Busch. Well, they've merged. But although it's technically, I think they bought them. Yeah, they bought them. But they're going to call it Anheuser-Busch InBev. And... There's a couple things that have happened because of this. Already, now, Samuel Adams is the biggest American brewer in... The biggest American-based brewer. Yingling yeah. is second. Mm-hmm. And then I think... Uh, I would have never thought... I didn't know you saw that part of the story. Yeah. I would have never thought I woke up in a world where Boston Beer Company is the world's... Or America's biggest brewer. Now, Pabst would be the biggest, but they contract brew everything for yeah. Miller. So it's kind of an asterisk there. They're yeah. the biggest beer company, but not the biggest brewer. How about that? Sam Adams. <laughs> well, for those t- of you wondering about Miller and Coors, Coors is Molson Coors, managed in Canada, mm-hmm. and Miller is Sab Miller, managed by South African brewers. Right. So. And now they're, now they're Miller Coors. Oh, yeah. Well, there's that teaming up of, right of yeah it's crazy so i was talking to my parents last night my mom said well you know how did, what will this mean for for craft beer industry and my thoughts on it are that this could be a particularly negative development and i think that the reasoning is that imbev is has some strong beers on their side. Strong, good quality beers. Francis Connor, for example. Francis Connor, Hugarten, excellent beer. Uh, you know, and, and InBev can throw all these beers. I mean, you know, there, there's laws against it in the United States for distributors. They, they can't, like, say you, you can only take our beers. There's laws against that. But what they can do is they can say, look, we can, we know that people love craft beer. We can fill up your, your stocks with really good craft beer that we can advertise that sells well. So you don't need as much space for the smaller guys who don't sell as well. I guess that could happen that way. Um, but it's going to happen in... Places I don't shop, right? You know, grocery stores. 
you know, not boutique beer stores. And being in Pennsylvania, we have the curse of not being able to buy beer at a grocery store. But the place we get good beer is at these boutique beer places, which aren't really going to change their, their lineup, I don't think. Yes, but, you know, craft beer has been continually growing industry, but it's not at a point where the growth is assured, mm-hmm. where the growth will absolutely continue no matter what. This could, you know, I could see Imbev throwing a whole bunch of, now that they have Anheuser Bushes as, as a way to throw a whole bunch of their imports in, which are very good quality beers in some cases that are, you know, excellent beers that will satisfy a craft beer fan. I'm not sure they have. I mean, other than Franz's Corner Hogarden, it goes downhill fast. Uh, well, Stella Artois is a very good beer. It is. Come on, it's a good beer. Bass. I mean, those are the other. Those are the big three, right? Now, the muscle and the shelf space, you know, could be Leffa issues. Is a good beer. No, yeah, I forgot about that one. Um, I don't see it changing the landscape. I think there might be isolated things where you see stuff like that, where the shelf space taken away. I don't think we need to panic. I mean, because the, the, growth, also, the growth happens not in boutiques. The growth happens in supermarkets. That's mm-hmm. what you got to remember, is that the boutiques are going to remain boutiques, but the growth happens when you get into places like supermarkets. So if you, if, if InBev is able to push away the supermarket shelf space for, craft, for U.S. craft beer, or not just U.S. craft beer, I mean, you know, I'm interested in, in worldwide craft beer. You know, Shelton Brothers will bring in some stuff or whatever, but... If they'll be able to push away other craft beer with their stuff, that's going to sell better because they're ad- because they advertise it more. That could be a negative. It could be a negative on the craft beer industry. It could be. I don't think it's going to be. I think there's going to be enough drive for diversity that is going to push us through. I mean, like I've read articles about you know now we're gonna you know what if what if Magic Hat or what if um, New Belgium or Sierra Nevada or, you know, these other big craft breweries, what if they get bought up? There's always going to be people filling the void, you know, if if the the impression of the beer quality starts to slip or if the quality actually does slip, there's going to be people moving into those markets. The beer drinkers who drink for quality are going to go elsewhere. Right. I mean, I think that we can say now, as opposed to when there was like a microbrew thing in the 80s, right now this is not a fad. Mm-hmm. This is an actual movement where people are really interested and people are really growing to appreciate the different beers that are out there. My, Like I say, my problem is that InBev can throw different beers out there that are of either uh, of decent to good quality to excellent quality even in some cases and perhaps push some, push some of the growth of other craft beer down because of that. It can happen. From what I've read, it seems that InBev is going to be focusing more on making Budweiser a more global brand. And um, how can it be a more global brand? Isn't like the, they, the don't most, have, isn't they don't have the very good exposure in Asia and whatnot, so they're going to take it. There's parts of the world where Budweiser is not not really well um, doesn't have a good foothold, so they're going to make it more global. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but at least they're out of our backyard right now, right there. Now they bought the cash cow that is Budweiser, and uh, I think we may not be seeing many more trips. Uh, I was talking with someone, and you know it's going to be a good year before anything really changes, right? So we might still have another trip in the 
we'll have to see if they're if they're kind enough to invite us again. Maybe. But. Uh, let us be clear. Like we think the we think the world of at least the brewer side of Anheuser Busch. They're really great guys. We've had good beers from. We well. don't. We don't really think that much of the marketing department of Anheuser Busch. Sometimes they. But the PR department, they're thumbs up. Well, I mean, the, 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 the guys who the guys who they contract to make their commercials sometimes do excellent jobs. I was talking more so the handful of people that know who we are and invite mm. us on trips. They're awesome. <laughs> Growing on you or shrinking on you? The uh, cherry saison from Southern Tier. It still just it tastes way too oaky for me. The cherry taste is is far too muted, and like I said, that kind of sandpapery aftertaste is bitter sandpaper. Like like mm-hmm. you you rubbed some horseradish or salt on some sandpaper, and then kind of moved it on your tongue and left a little bit of sand there. Not pleasant to me. Yeah, I agree. The oak is not. Well done. Not balanced at all. Um, and actually, you know, at the 8%. At the very back. At the 8%, it's verging on not worth the sobriety quotient, yeah, right? Yeah, at, at the, the, you know, the, the very back of my throat, there's a really nice cherry flavor, though. The very back of my throat, I actually kind of enjoy that flavor in the back. The, <laughs> the alcohol mixture mixing with the cherry. So, so there is a component mm-hmm. to this beer that is enjoyable to me, but... For the most part, that thing that lays on the front of your tongue is not enjoyable. So last Friday, we had a happy hour at work, and I'm sitting there around the tasting table, you know, pouring beers, talking with people, and there's this new guy, and he's a home brewer, and starts talking about beer, and came out that I did craft beer radio. He listens to craft beer radio, <laughs> and he didn't know that we worked at the same place. Wow. That's <laughs> pretty funny. <and> cool. <laughs> Hi, Mike. <laughs> So he was like, oh, you're that Jeff Barrett? He's like, I listened to Craft Beer Radio, or, or he had listened to it. I'm not sure if he was a regular listener, but that was that's, pretty that, cool. That's funny. Yeah, we always... I'm like, I'm surprised you didn't recognize my voice beforehand, because that's what usually happens if we're at a bar and I'm talking, you know, you'll see someone giving you the stare from across the room or because he's caught my voice. Um, because most of the listeners out there, you guys know my voice, but, you know, unless you've taken the time to go on the website and find a picture of me, you have no idea what I look like, right. so... And Jeff is, is is hideously ugly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a voice radio in my face. Is not for TV. So and I'm I should screwed. point out that I'm worse. So, <laughs> so let's just go from there. All right. So this is an interesting direction to take because we went. We're now going. Went from a, a a sort of cardboardy chocolate to overly oaky, and now we're going to. Uh, Semi lambic, I guess you could call it. Yeah, we're gonna do the Lindemans Rambos here just to uh just to get in with the show to see how it compares from the last time mm-hmm. we had it. Uh Lindemans uh Frambos, or you may hear it be called Frambois, but I believe that the correct pronunciation Frambos is Frambos or something along those lines. Uh but if you call it Frambois, no one's gonna give a crap, so it's not French. Yeah. It's not French, but just like we have North for sales here in Pittsburgh. Right. <laughs> so from Browery, Lindemans in Belgium, four percent alcohol. So it's a kind of a session beer. Yeah. Last Lindemans I had was with you at um actually the night Allison was born. We right. went to the Creek House and picked up a pizza for Heather and we had the, the Cuvée Renee, which is their 
Goose, I guess. Right? Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so it's all raspberries on the nose. Oh man, is it ever? It's all raspberries. And... This is the beer when, when I go to a bar and I'm with a girl and the girl's like, I don't like beer. And Jeff <laughs> just coughed when he tasted it. It's not a I don't like it cough. It was a carbonation. Oh, okay. All right. In syrupy sweetness, just tickling the back of your throat. This is the beer that I always <coughs> bring out for people when they say they don't like beer. Mm-hmm. They don't like any beer. Like, you know, th- th- it's not that they don't like hoppy beers. They don't like dark beers. They don't like light beers. They don't like any beer at all. I say, all right, Lindemann's Frambo's. Right. They love it because they love sweet. They tend, typically tend to love like wine cooler. It's like Bartleson James. Right. So when I'm drinking this beer, I am trying to push past the raspberries and find the lambic, the malt, you know, the tartness. There's in a there. good deal of tartness in there. There really is. <clears throat> and it helps it a lot because the raspberry taste is particularly strong. Yeah. And, um,. You know, very, very fruity. And that's, I think, why it appeals to people who really don't like the kind of malty aspects of beer. I mean, I think the people who, quote-unquote, don't like beer, they just they don't really get that appreciation of the malty aspects of beer. That, and they, they also don't like the bitterness of hops. But I think, it's the, I think it really is the malty aspect that turns them off. In this case, the raspberry really overpowers almost everything else. There's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of bitterness, or a lot of sourness, mm-hmm. tartness. It's just not, it just the way it, it, it actually crescendos with the raspberry, and then the raspberry leaps off the top, and it's just too much raspberry for me. It is, it, it's, it goes overboard with the raspberry. The, their other yeah. lambiques are not nearly as strong in terms of flavors. They, they really have kind of tweaked this from at least one I've taken, like I've had the Passion, I've had the mm-hmm. uh, the, the Creek. They really have tweaked this one to be big time raspberry. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a syrupy raspberry flavor. It tastes sort of you know fresh raspberry, but it's strong. Yeah, and it's you know, and, and it remains behind, and it, it it lingers. This is definitely a wine cooler esque beer. You can tell it's a beer because it has that. It has a backbone to it. It has that. It has enough of a, a of a malty backbone and just a, you know the slightest twinge of hops mm-hmm. that you can tell it's a beer. You can you can feel through the. You know, I think what really helps it is is the the mouth feel is is strong and uh, and full, which you don't get on like a wine cooler and you don't get on something like a, a sparkling wine or something like that. This is this is a much fuller mouthfeel that you get with a beer, with a malted with a malted beverage. The sweet raspberry burps, don't like it at all. Jeff just poured some cherry saison, some other cherry saison into his. Tried to cut it some, but it still tastes almost like frambois. So I'm gonna. I don't think we're gonna go back to the cherry saison later. So I'm gonna try diluting it some more here. By the way, we're drinking these out of our uh, Michelob Celebrate glasses, our Celebrate flutes. Celebrate. Well, not flutes. Uh, they're... Um, Snifters. Or like uh, brandy t- tulips. 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 They're tulips. Now, this is the only beer This is starting to get more interesting. <laughs> as, you're, as you're combining it with the oaky flavor? Well, I'm thinking Belgian triple with a splash of framboise. Framboise. 
might be a good combination. Well, when you think a good, about it, a good peppery, you know, one of those darker Belgian triples, like. Uh, well, think about three philosophers. Three philosophers is is a is, is like a a, a, a Belgian double mixed with a lambic to turn into sort of a, a quadruple, mm-hmm. essentially, right? Yeah. So the mix of grapes drinking is probably about two to one cherry saison to, to Lindemans. That's not bad, but that oakiness still still lingers and yeah. is too much. Well, imagine a triple that doesn't have the oak. I think it'd be a good combination. It might. It might work. I mean, I, I think that yeah, the 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 fram the fram if they had like a half frambose, I think it might be really <laughs> fantastic. Right. I think the the one they have right now is just kind of overboard. But like I said, the the creek, the pesh, they're much better because they don't go nearly to the same levels as the the frambos does. And on the same level, what was that one that we had again? The um, the cells, the the, the lindemans that we had uh, when Alice. Oh, was cuvee born. Renee. The uh, the cuvee Renee was fantastic. It really was fantastic. It was great. It was. Uh, it probably wasn't on the same scale as like a Cantillon, you know, lambic, but it's good lambic still. You know, okay, well, fantastic, not wow beer, but fantastic. Right. Okay, so you know, it was really, really excellent, really good beer, really a beer that I would rec- that I would recommend. So, not all beers have to be wow beers, just to be recommended beers, and it's definitely I, I would say. I would say, yeah, okay, if you've had exposure to Lindemann's Frambos, like a lot of people have because it's available in a lot of places, mm-hmm. right? you may say, you know, I don't like Lindemann's. Trust me. Try some other Lindemann's. They, they know what they're doing. The, uh, they knew what they were doing with this raspberry because they, they, they made it in a particular way to right. appeal to a particular crowd. Yeah, the, the, the Creek is a black cherry. It's pretty tart cherries. Mm-hmm. The, uh, actually, the one I like, the fruited one that I like the best is the Cassis. Yeah, the cassis. That's good. Cassis is really good. The um, the pet, the peach, and the apple. Eh, I don't like them all that much. I haven't had the apple yet. But the uh, the cassis one. If you're going to go with the fruited Lindemans, I'd say the cassis is the way to go. If you're going to go with any Lindemans, do the unfruited Cuvée Renee. It's it's good. Yeah. <clears throat> Now, all they make is lambiques, basically, from what I'm seeing mm-hmm. here. Yep. So, they make a tea beer. That should be interesting. Hmm. I haven't a seen that. A tea lambique? That'd be cool. Yeah. Actually, that's that's ironic, because I was thinking about, you know, weird things to put into beer, and I was thinking, like, like fresh tea leaves would be something to... Like dry hop with or something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure how it works because I've never chewed on a fresh tea leaf. But, you know, it's just something I was considering. And then you mentioned they make a tea beer. Want to do a what beer am I? Sure. I am made with chocolate. I am made with chocolate. I am 8.5% alcohol by volume. I am 8.5% alcohol by volume. I am a lager. Made with real cocoa beans. I am a lager made with real cocoa beans. Send your answers to WBAI at craftbeerradio.com. For those of you who are new listeners and don't know what the hell we just did, we used to do this segment called What Beer Am I? where we would describe, give clues to a beer in the ever-clever first person. 
and people would send in their guesses. I would draw a name from the correct guesses and send them a pint glass from East End Brewing Company. Buy a good friend a good beer. And we have pint glasses from East End Brewing Company that I need to get rid of. So I'm glad you brought this back. I was going to try to think of a new game, but one more what beer am I for old times' sake? WBAI at craftbeerradio.com with your guess. Okay, so next we're going with O'Fallon's. This is O'Fallon Brewery, which is in Missouri, or Missouri, sorry. Uh, this is their Blackberry Scottish style ale. I picked this up when I was in Cincinnati. Went over to Kentucky to the Party Source, and they had lots of good beers there. So they had a couple fruited ones from O'Fallon, which we're going to be trying the Blackberry Scottish, and then the Cherry Chocolate, which sounds yummy. The aroma on this one is more Scottish ale than Blackberry. It's it's this malty, not hoppy, um, kind of smoky type aroma on it. This is not one of the regular beers. I'm looking on their website trying to find information about it. While their cherry chocolate is a regular beer, I do not see this as being uh, a release that's available that is on their website. So there you go. Anyway. Blackberry Scottish style ale. Ooh. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Yeah, the Romy ha- the Romy has a nice malty blackberry. The mix. flavor comes across as this um like a like a berry cola or something like that. You're right, because of the maltiness. The you know Scottish style ale is gonna be a malty ale and uh, I think I, w- I talked to at Savor about how much I enjoyed the Scottish with the creme brulee because of the malt, right. which is very close to the caramel with the, the caramel flavors. So you have this kind of almost caramelly malt with an underpinning, but not an overwhelming amount of blackberry. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And there's also a little bit of the remaining lambic from Fram- uh, Framboise on my tongue. Okay. So I think that's kind of affecting the way I'm pacing it, too. So I'm going to have a drink of water here. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting this, in the linger, I'm getting this this stuff you get from the Scottish malt. It, typically, they're not peat-smoked, but you you still get this aroma that reminds you of something that would be like a peat-smoked malt or something like that. I'm getting this kind of smoky... A slight amount of earthiness. Maybe but maybe it's melanoidins. Maybe it's like you know decocted or something. Yeah, I think I really think that's what it is. Caramelized kind of, malt flavor. It's kind of. Um, Let me describe some of the terms that I was thinking while you you come back to your lost thought okay. there. Um, decocted is what they do when they do double box, where they will take some of the mash, the grains, before you know they actually drain it off to make beer, and they'll boil it, and that'll caramelize a lot of the sugars and give you this this caramely toffee flavor more so and um, I'm getting something like that in here a good example of what this is coming from is okay when you caramelize a steak or or some sort of protein through hot fat on a pan mm-hmm. that's the Maillard reactions is what's taking place right. you're turning these sugars into caramelized stuff and so you're you're it's a whole bunch of different reactions that are taking place but it's causing this really complex amount of changes in the sugars to turn them into these melanoidian pro- products basically mm-hmm. and and that's what you're getting is is a flavor very reminiscent of that really you know the dark stuff the extremely flavorful stuff on like a meat or a you know a seared piece of chicken or something like that 
that's flavor, and that's really where kind of where where that is getting from. And it's slightly earthy, but it's more along the lines of this kind of umami esque, okay, glutamase esque kind of flavor. The uh, the flavor I really don't get the Scottish part until like near the aftertaste. The beginning yeah. taste um, now that the carbonations came out of it a little bit it doesn't taste as soda like. Yeah, it takes a little bit of time to establish mm-hmm. stuff. It tastes a little bit like over fizzy, and you're like, okay, this is kind of just sort of fizzy and and light. Yeah, around the the, I would say the edges of your tongue, the blackberry starts to seep in, and then as you swallow it and you sort of breathe over that alcohol, the alcohol kind of comes up. That maltiness really comes through. That that umami flavor. Mm-hmm. Blast out from it. It's it's just pretty strong. It's v- really a good beer. Really, really well done. Really interesting. It's a good use of fruit because it's not overpowering, right? And you can still taste it. It just it's is this five five point five percent alcohol? Elegant use of fruit, I will say. It's you know hitching the right places. Hey, Craft Beer Radio listeners, have you bought your thirty anniversary Craft Beer Radio DVD yet? I haven't. Well, why not? What are you waiting for? For only $25, you can have all the past year's craft beer radio on one easy-to-use DVD-ROM. Well, that sounds great, but I have to buy an iPhone. You don't need an iPhone when you have the craft beer radio DVD. If you spin it fast enough, you can pick up radio signals in the media itself. You just hold up your ear and you talk. Wow, that sounds exciting. Exactly. you got to spin it really fast, though. So for those of you that are interested in getting the Craft Beer Radio 30 anniversary DVD, you can buy it on our website through PayPal, or you can send us a check. Pay- I love PayPal. PayPal is great, isn't it? Because you can buy stuff on the internet and not have to give crazy people at Craft Beer Radio your real credit card number. Because they will steal it and use it for crazy stuff. Crazy, yes. Like drugs and check, check, all check. sorts um, of things. We're getting a soundboard if this keeps up. <laughs> yeah, so please pay for us because we're going to need new equipment. So uh, please buy our DVD. We we only... All proceeds go to supporting Craft yeah. Beer Radio. It does not go into our pockets. None of it goes into our pockets. It all goes to the show. Right. Goes to the show, goes to... Check, check, check. Goes to the show, goes to getting us to beer events like the Great American Beer Fest. Um, we mentioned in the last show about the frequent flyer miles. If you have frequent flyer miles you'd like to donate, those would be great to get us to the GABF. We, I think we're going to have a special deal for if you want all three DVDs. Yes, yes. I'm going to put together a deal if you want to, if you're new and you don't have the first two DVDs. Shame on you. But I'm going to put together a discounted deal so you can buy all three. Now again, although I won't be able to do it tonight, we're going to have a special show. Special audio show on the DVD and a special video show. First time only, a video show. You'll be able to watch Greg DVD. and I drink beer. How exciting. <laughs> How exciting for you. I know that when I watch it right here, it's, it's the most exciting thing in the world, just watching Jeff drink beer. I do it unlike anyone else. <laughs> no. So, but uh, if you want to help support Crafty Radio, please go buy our DVD. It, like, the money goes straight to supporting the show. We're trying to save up money so Greg and I can go cover the Great American Beer Fest. We will promise we will work our butts off covering beer events. Um, yeah, I know it's kind of an oxymoron, but you know we do work hard on these things, and we hope you enjoy it. And uh, let's get on to the next beer. We also promise that if you 
buy our DVD, we won't talk about it anymore for a year. Yeah. If if you guys make us a thousand bucks, you won't have to listen to this anymore. So get buying and you won't hear it next week if enough of you buy the DVD. So come on. Do your part. All right. Next beer is the Cherry Chocolate from O'Fallon Brewing, also from Missouri. Ale with natural flavors added. This is a 5.7% alcohol volume. Smells like uh, chocolate-covered cherries. There's, some, there's another smell in there, though. Oh, no, no. It smells like uh, cherry Tootsie Pop. Yeah. It smells exactly like yeah. a cherry Tootsie Pop. And, and a little bit of kind of a waxy, plasticky smell, too. I'm, not getting, I'm getting like Tootsie Roll flavor. You keep confusing flavor with aroma. It's, it, oh, it's yes. very disconcerting. Sorry. I'm on LSD, man. All my senses are intertwined. Oh, that does taste like a Tootsie Pop. Mr. How Al, many huh? licks does it take to get to the center of a cherry chocolate ale? That tastes just like a cherry Tootsie Pop. It's so good. You have a different definition of good than I do, then. It's good because it's different and tastes like... They made beer taste like a Tootsie Pop. <laughs> it's fan. That's not what I go to beer for. It's fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating. Yeah, it tastes to me like, like, like a sugary confection. I think that'd be a good way to put it. It also tastes to me like a processed sugary confection. So it has that taste of... This has gone through a factory like a Tootsie Roll. This is mm. has a waxy kind of component around it. I'm not really a, a, a huge super fan of this. This just tastes kind of <laughs> kind of like a beer you give the kids. <laughs> well, I think it is a beer you give the kids. Actually, I should save some for Heather to try. I bet you she'd like it. Um, yeah, I'm not saying it's the best well-crafted beer I've ever had. I'm not saying I'll buy a case of it. But I would say if you see it on the shelves and you haven't had it, you should get a bottle of it. The aftertaste it. is distinctly Tootsie Roll. I would say you should try it because <laughs> you'll never have Tootsie Roll in a beer other than this problem. <laughs> this is basically like, okay, you, you, you put Tootsie Roll, carbonated water, and alcohol together. And you put it in a blender. <laughs> and maybe it'll add a little bit of cherry juice. And uh, somehow you made it, you know, thick and like a beer. That's <laughs> what you gave it that mouthfeel. I think it's fascinating. Greg thinks it's silly. Yes, I think that that's a good explanation. Jeff is is fascinated by the fact they made a Tootsie Roll beer. I think oh. it's like they made a Tootsie Roll beer. Well, it's time for rankings. Yeah, go There's ahead. No, rank, no rank superstars tonight. Huh? Rank this show. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'm gonna rank the hell out of it. That's the only way to rank it, frankly. <laughs> oh man, this, this this is gonna be all right. Consider it ranked. All right. uh, number one beer, Tootsie Roll beer. <laughs> Just for the novelty. You're shitting me. No, no. I, You're shitting me. Number one beer is if this. If there was any of these beers I'd tell someone not to pass up on the shelf, 
It would be the Tootsie Roll beer, the cherry chocolate from Alf Allen. The number one beer is this piece of shit. <laughs> yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> if there was any of these five beers that I would tell someone, if you see it, try it for the sake of trying it. It's this one. Number two. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> number two, I'm going to put the other profile in the black Scottish ale. I thought that we said that was an elegant use of blackberries, and and I still agree. I think it was subtly done. There were some interesting components there. It did kind of get a little aged towards the end, but overall, I, I liked it. Number three, I'm going to put the Celis Raspberry. I thought with the age on it, it had a good raspberry balance to it. Uh, fourth, the cherry saison from Southern Tier. Um, the oak was a little out of place. The cherries were almost non-existent, and um, but the the sugar, the Belgian triple that was in there tasted pretty good. <laughs> you say so? If you could isolate the Belgian triple portion of it, <laughs> and I'm gonna have to put the Lindemans. I do a lot of titration for that thing yeah. to work. And I'm gonna have to put the uh, the Lindemans last. Uh, the, the intense. Sweet raspberry. I just couldn't get over it tonight. It was just too much for me. Well, this is going to be one of those shows where rankings are completely different. Let me uh, mix up my bottles here so I have an order with which to talk about here. All right. So, okay. Again, this is not one of our shows where we have stellar superstars. This is one of our shows where we're kind of like, all right, we're kind of going to rank it in... How we see them, and sometimes, you know, one will go above another when they're not really all that great anyway. Right. Okay, my number one beer of the night was a Blackberry Scottish Ale. That was, that was the one I, mo- I enjoyed the most. I really, like I said, I enjoyed the the hint of, the, you know, the hint of Blackberry that kind of surrounded the outside of your tongue and the, the nice, malty, melanoidin, uh, Maillard stuff that came... The umami, good stuff, really good beer. I definitely recommend you try it. it it's a beer I, I would say was you know really the one. If you see it, pick it up, try it. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, next, I'm going to go with the Frambos because I kind of liked it more than you do. I I I know the raspberry is intense, but I can kind of look past that and see that there's other stuff there. there. There's a good sourness, and if you just sort of if you let the raspberry, I mean, you were saying you. On on the on the saison, okay. If you let the oakiness and the bad cherry go, there's a good triple there. If you mm-hmm. let the raspberry go, there's a good lambic there too. Right. There's a good amount of sourness, right. and there, there's a decent stuff that you know, really good mouthfeel to it too. So, and I would say, you know, particularly because I love all the other stuff that that uh, Lindemans makes, or at least I really do like it. Uh, you know, I, I, I would put this high end. Like I say, uh, as a date beer. For, you know, you, if you're trying to impress someone who doesn't like beer, you're trying to say, hey, I know beer you like. This is the one. This, yeah. this is a, an excellent choice. Uh, okay, so next I'm going to go with the Salus Raspberry. I think I probably felt it was too old. I bet a newer one would taste a little bit better, but it might be too hard on raspberry, so I don't know. That cardboardy thing wasn't really... Mm-hmm. Wasn't really liking too much the kind of mixture of cardboard and chocolate, kind of like if if you took a Hershey's bar and aged it for five years, right? All the flavor of chocolate would be out of it, and you'd kind of you're left with this sort of some there's a tiny bit of chocolate and more of a taste of kind of filler. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's sort of what what the flavor was like with the raspberry. 
Uh, for the next two, I really didn't like at all. Uh, but I'd, I'll go with the cherry chocolate ale, the one that you put number one, because okay, it tastes like a tootsie roll. I mean, it, it, it's not; it doesn't taste bad. It just tastes like a tootsie roll. So it, it, it's ridiculous, but it's not negative. And then the Imperial Cherry Saison for Southern Tier, I felt really was negative. I really did not like the sandpaper taste you got from that. That the oak did not work with me at all. I don't agree with Jeff at all that there's a good triple in there. I, I, I think that the beer is just... I'm glad it's a one-off because <laughs> they gotta really work on that thing again to make it better. So okay. That's my ranking. I have some more Tussie Roll while you finish up. Thanks everybody for listening to Craft Beer Radio. We appreciate that you download the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Buy our DVD. Buy our DVD. And tune in next week because it's gonna be the best show we've ever done. I, can, I guarantee... I guarantee 100% that it's the best show we've ever done. Or your money back. Right. This guarantee. Ben with fees not included. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Yeah. Promise me you'll never go away So I don't have to put these looks on your face